It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. The award-winning Crunch Time. The players have been fabulous in terms of working through the issues. Um, you know, what's happened over the last week or two is, is hard to people to comprehend and we've, you know, we've, we've worked through a process and now what's happened tonight is that the players have, have, have really put their hand up to do their bit to, to ensure... Um, our game gets through this, and I want to thank them for it. A deal has been struck. The AFL and the AFLPA have agreed to receive 50% of their total player payments until May 31. We'll speak to AFLPA CEO Paul Marsh about the week he's had and the deal that was announced last night. If we just drill into Gold Coast, for what we've pumped in, are we getting return on investment there? And our foundation clubs may be missing out and under real pressure now. And why anybody would even consider chopping that growth off now just proves that uh, perhaps not only are they a failed coach, but they don't know much about economics either. A war of words erupts between Ross Lyon and Tony Cochran. So we'll ask the question, is the AFL getting return on their investment with the Gold Coast Suns? This is crunch time for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos, mould, air quality and environmental services. In a matter of moments, we'll speak to the AFL Players Association CEO, Paul Marsh, in the house. My name is Kane Corns. The SEN Chief Sports Reporter is Sam Edmund. He also joins us for the next couple of hours. Sammy, good morning to you. Good morning. Well, good afternoon to you, Kane. Mm. Good to be with you again. What we, uh, we found, sounds, felt like we just signed off only a couple of hours ago uh, from last night, but good to join you. A big show coming up and joining me in the studio, one of the prominent AFL player agents and all-round media guru, Liam Pickering, joins me. Pickers, good morning. Good morning to you, Kane. Good and afternoon. Good, well, good afternoon to Thank you, you Kane, and good afternoon to you, uh, Sammy. Yeah, it feels like I just sort of logged off like a few minutes ago. <laughs> What time did you get to bed? <laughs> oh, I got to bed early, but uh, I've been here since early as well. Oh, I understand that, but you would have been taking a few oh, calls from players last oh, night. Oh, last night was really a night for the PA got to all the players, so that was the main thing. We'll get to them over the next day or two and see how they're all feeling about it, but it's pretty hard to get to everyone last night. I did an interview with you blokes. I didn't really give you a lot. Very tight-lipped. Well, I couldn't. No. I felt I f- didn't feel it was my position to do, to be perfectly honest, and I apologise. I couldn't give you a bit more at that stage, but I don't think it was fair uh, on behalf of the players, because they they hadn't been told, and I don't think there's anything worse than people just leaking stuff before it's officially out. So um, apologies, I couldn't give you much more. So the meeting last night between the players, that was just a few key players signing off on that deal. Was that it? was everyone getting to getting their head around? Well, being told basically, the the players have got a delegates and a board that are put in place to work with the PA to for the betterment or the the good of um, the whole industry as far as AFL players go and. They're represented by Patrick Dangerfield as the president, and you know all the delegates of the clubs, the the captains and the like, and then uh, and the PA were Marshy and James Gallagher and his crew. So, you know, as I said earlier this morning, I, I think you know you hear Gill's comments, and I, 
think it's never been an issue for the AFL and the players. It's been an issue that's been, in my view, it's been driven against the players by the, by certain elements of the media. Let's get our next guest perspective on that. He has had a busy week, maybe his biggest in his career. The AFL Players Association CEO is Paul Marsh. He joins us. Uh, Paul, good afternoon. Thanks for your time. Pleasure, gents. Good chat. Take us through the deal that has been struck and, and your thoughts on it and whether it's a good outcome for both parties. Yeah, look, it's um, you know obviously announced yesterday. It's probably just it, sort of talking about it being a deal or whatever is is interesting. I think we've just tried to find a solution to what's a pretty significant problem for our industry on the back of what's a very significant issue for the broader community. Um, you know, clearly our industry now is, you know, because of this, issue um, is in this unprecedented state and we've just tried to find a way to work through it in a way that um, allows some certainty for the players because right now we, you know, the industry is going to need them at some point to get back out in the park if it's going to keep its head above water. Um, so we've, we've got to a point where the players will receive 50% of their salaries for the next two months and then we'll work, it'll, it'll, the fork in the road will go one way or the other if they don't play, they'll still receive 30%. If they do play, they'll receive 50 um, And as I said, that keeps some certainty for the players. Uh, it, it allows the clubs to, to tap into the players. They'll still be expected to do um, you know, things that will help the industry drive as much commercial revenue as possible. Um, so we think it's a fair outcome in the circumstances. Did it at all get tense? That was the way it was perceived in the media. Oh, look, this is... It, I would say that it's been a tense time for everyone, not just footing out and working at footy, but it's it's been an incredibly difficult few weeks for everyone. Everyone's worlds have been thrown upside down, and I think what we've been able to do with the AFL is just work through this in, I reckon, an incredibly quick time um, to try to get to where we've got to. Well, of course, we had had some moments as we were working through it, but you know, one thing I'd say is that in the time I've been doing this job the AFLPA, like we've always been able to find a way through it with the AFL. Um, Gillen and I have always been able to work through difficult problems um, and I had complete confidence that we'd do that here and we did. So, you know, I think it was, there was a fair bit of hysteria around what was going on here, probably because there wasn't much else to talk about. But I think, you know, we worked through this quickly. We were talking several times at least every day. You know, we mobilised our board, our players, the agents, as Pickers was just saying, like this. I think everyone's come together really quickly here to find a solution to to keep the game afloat, and I think we've got to a fair outcome. Uh, good afternoon, Paul. Sam Edmund here. Thanks for joining us today. How are the lower paid or the the minimum wage players protected with this arrangement going forward? Yeah, and that's a lot of the parts of what we worked through. Um, there was complexities that we were dealing with. Um, you know, what we've got is there's a common percentage amongst all the players, as I've just gone through, but we've been able to, you know, work through... Um, we've got a sort of hardship-type fund set up where players, particularly those sort of towards the, the minimum salaries and have got families, we've actually been able to give them some assistance um, through the PA. So, you know, that was a really big thing for us to try to work through that. And, you know, because we don't, we don't want to see, you know, players during this time, um, you know, completely disadvantaged or in hardship. And that's something that we've just been working through. So we have, we have got an outcome there. The CBA signed for the period of 2017 to 2022 was such a seismic uh, negotiation and groundbreaking in so many ways. Is there an acceptance that that will need to be drawn up again? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've got through, 
we've got some certainty for right now. And then you know, there, there's lots of things we now need to work through with the, the AFL, the clubs, the players, the agents over the next little bit. Um, you know, we we haven't made any decisions around what the CBA looks like. I think we need to just give this a bit of time to see what the real impact of um, the coronavirus is going to be on our industry. But you know, clearly, if you know, if we're if the future is looking a whole lot. Um, bleaker than what we thought it was uh, when we did the deal, then we've got to sit down and work through it. I mean, as I said, it's the game um, and the players are interlinked and it's really important that you know we do everything we can to make sure the games are strong and the players are putting on the show and they need to be you know, linked to how well the game's going. So, you know, that that's ahead of us. And Marshy, the AFL's uh, PA's funding for, for 2020, that's, um, that's disappeared? Yeah, I mean, we obviously need to make a decision here to try to put as much, um, you know, to the players as we possibly could. So, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on our business and our ability to support the players for the rest of the year. But, um, you know, we're, we're in planning mode as to how we're going to work through that. And everyone's business is in the same position. So um, it's, it's appropriate that we also take that hit. Um, and we'll just work through that and adjust it. And as I said, we're already in planning mode there. At what point will you sit down, Paul, and work out what uh, 2021 looks like, list sizes, salary cap, and all of that? Is is that an ongoing situation and something you work through towards the rest of this year? Yeah, look, I think there'll be lots of conversations. Um, as you'd appreciate, the last two weeks has been incredibly hectic. You know, firstly, working through the last week, which seems a long time ago, just actually whether we were going to play or not, whether it was safe and you know, all that. And then this week's been trying to work through... Um, the issues we've just been talking about. So we will move reasonably quickly to what it looks like from here. Um, the starting point is the CBA that we've got on foot, but we will then have discussions. And I think, you know, we're, we're reasonable people. We'll work through this with the industry. Um, if circumstances change, you've got to be able to adjust and you've got to be able to find solutions that, that match the circumstances of the day. Paul, Gil McLaughlin's gesture to match the uh, the pay cuts taken by the players. How significant was that in reaching a, an outcome in the end? Oh, look, it wasn't even a talking point, to be honest. I mean, I know there was a lot of talk out in um, the public. Um, I think that was coming through the media, um, as has been reported. Gil said to me, you know, if it helps, I'll match the players' cut. I, I personally um, don't feel strongly about this at all and I've told Gil that and I think he'd, he'd absolutely back me up on that. So I don't think it made um, any significant difference to where we're at but I think credit to him for, for being actually prepared to do that. From Have few... you been given any sort of undertaking whether the AFL executive would be doing the same, Paul? Oh, once again, Sam, like from our perspective, it's not, it's not a tit-for-tat thing here. It's actually let's work through the, the right solution. I mean, the AFL business, the clubs as, as business entities have all taken hits through this. Everyone's taking a hit through it and mm. it's appropriate given the circumstances. I don't think we need to individualise this. Um, as I said, it's a, it's a good gesture from, from Gil. Um, I, I haven't even discussed with him the other executives and I don't think it's appropriate for us to be demanding that. And the, from a futures perspective, Gil, um, obviously we, we've got no idea the length of the season, how long it's, you know, when it's going to start, whatever, but the draft and, and from a NAB yeah, you know, the kids coming through position. Uh, you haven't. We sort of haven't got to that yet. No, no, we haven't. And look, these are they're questions that are coming at us. So we had an all all employer meeting yesterday afternoon, as you know. We had a, um, a meeting with the agents yesterday afternoon, and there are a million questions coming at all of us, and we just need to work through them now. Um, so you know, I think 
you know, when we sat down and did our business plan for 2020, this wasn't on the horizon. I think nearly everything else um, falls to the wayside and, and this year is going to be about dealing with this coronavirus issue and there's going to be lots of those sort of things that we still need to work through. So keep them coming, mate. I know you will. <laughs> Understand that uh, you're clearly focused on the current crop of players, but what about past players, Paul, and, and th- those that have lost their jobs? We've seen, you know, over 100 assistant coaches lose their jobs this week. What support measures can you offer them? Yeah, well, one of the things that we negotiated in the, the, the 2017 CBA was a past player injury and hardship fund. Um, so we've got some money in that that will be able to help um, some past players. Now, you know, the size of the problem at the moment is we're, we're still still to be determined. And, you know, I think a lot of past players, the recently retired guys, rely on, you know, club, country, football, whatever, for to supplement their incomes. Um, a lot work in the industry, as you've just pointed to. So... You know, there's there's obviously going to be a lot of our members who are doing it really tough through this. We've got some funding here. Obviously, as Tickers has just said, we don't have any more funding coming in um, to the PA this year, so that that's going to limit our ability a little bit. But um, we have got some some surplus funds built up over um, a few years that hopefully will better help us get those guys through. The AFL Players Association Most Valuable Player Award is named after Lee Matthews. He was really strong. He says he's been disappointed in the playing group and the way they've gone about it. Have you spoken to Lee? Yeah, I did. I gave him a call the other night. Um, look, I'd say that I and all of our members have an enormous respect for Lee, and he's completely entitled to his opinion. Um, you know, in our conversation, you know, well, his view was that we should have just done exactly what the AFL asked of us. Um, what you know, and the conversation I had with him was partway through this week before we got to the end. I think you know, clearly we took a few days to work through it, which I don't think was inappropriate given the complexity of what we're dealing with. But we've now reached an, an outcome that both the AFLPA and AFL are happy with. So I would think that um, I would hope that Lee would respect where we've landed and that now would see that, okay, this is something that the AFL is happy with. Paul, is there a sense of relief at having it done the morning after? I mean, we're talking about months and months of negotiation crammed into a week, effectively. Is it a bit of a load off? Not that there's, I'm not saying there's not a heap of work still to be done, but it must be a sense of relief at the moment. Oh, I probably feel a little bit calmer today than I was yesterday. But, um, you know, I think like, it's, it's just been a huge two weeks. And it's for, as I keep saying, it's for everyone. Everyone has gone through just complete turmoil um, and I'm really feeling for all the people out there, those in the industry and those outside who've been stood down or lost their jobs um, You know, and we've still got a lot of work to do just to try to help our members through this really difficult time so that's where our focus turns really quickly now but look it is nice to get this locked away and we can actually focus on um, on, on really helping people which is what, that's what we're here to do, we're here to help our members um, You know, and it's important that we keep doing that and the players, I guess, the good news out of last night, have committed to play right up until the end of the year. Did, did that take some convincing or it was just um, you know, basically a pretty easy decision for the boys? Oh, no, it's been a very easy decision. We, we made that decision last week. I mean, we had a, you know, when we were talking about um, the impact of this on the season and obviously last week was all about whether we would play or not, the players at that point said, no, we're, we're prepared to do whatever we need to do to keep the industry afloat. And I think it's just really important because it, to, to spell out that, you know, I've been in every one of these meetings. Um, that's been the overriding view from the players. They're seeing people that they love within their clubs being stood down. They're seeing their assistant coaches, people that have a profound impact on their lives day to day who have been impacted by this. And that's been what's been the overriding point from the players is we need to 
do whatever we need to do to get this back on so that everyone has a chance of, of getting through this. And, you know, that's been lost a bit in the discussions and that's all fine, but that's been the players' overriding view. Paul, thanks so much for your time and what's been a busy and difficult week for yourself. Anytime, gents. Thank you. The Good AFL job, Players Association CEO Paul Marsh, who just reiterating a 50% pay cut for the players until May 31. If football does not restart on June the 1st, 70% cut, and then it will return to 50% when football and games do re- return. They've agreed to play up until December 31st, if required, and $8 million in funding for the AFLPA has been withdrawn. Pickers, we, we have a resolution. Not ideal, but um, I'm glad we got there. Yeah, well, so am I. Uh, look, it, it's just two scenarios, simple as that. So there's the no-game scenario and mm-hmm. there's the uh, there's the – Game on scenario. That's basically what we're talking about for the difference of percentage. And uh, we're all hoping that we can get a season. And that's the reality out of all of, all of what it is. I'm not sure why there's half a blame game going on and, oh, they shouldn't be getting this and he shouldn't be getting that. To my view is this, everyone's taking a hit. Everyone in the industry. So you know, players, coaches, fans are taking a hit. You know, people in general, you know, general public are obviously in the same situation as we all are. So, you know, it's, it's a tough, tough situation. It's an unforeseen situation and you know everyone's trying to do their best to get through it if you want to get involved as always give us a ring on the southern phone open line 1300 736 736 that's 1300 sen sen pickers what are your players up to what have they been informed <laughs> to do by their clubs are they keeping fit um most give- of them pretty much kind of have, have had this week off like a lot of them haven't even got programs yet mm. so they're just keeping themselves busy like everyone else in society i mean they well, you can go for a walk. They'll go for a walk. They'll go for a jog. Uh, they'll have a kick around the backyard. I mean, they'll go down the park if if they can. Um, but they're being you know, quite sensible with what they're doing, uh, filling in their time and probably having a mental break as much as anything. They've done five months of training, so they shouldn't lose decondition very quickly, I wouldn't think. So uh, overall, I, uh, you know, they'll all start probably getting back into the training when we're able to move around freely. Mm. Sam, what do you make of what you've been following it closer than anyone? Did, did you think this was the likely scenario? And the players seem to have come out of it reasonably well. Yeah, well, as we've said many times, Kane and Picks, it was a PR war that they were never going to win the players. And I reckon if they had their time over again, maybe they would have said less. I mean, far be it for me to ask for that, given my line of work. So I was happy for them to keep talking. But perhaps they might have changed their language over the last week. And because you spoke to them privately, you spoke to the AFL privately, there was never any doubt that there was going to be a resolution, given everyone was united in wanting to save the game. I mean, that's what while we're all here. That's what we all make a living from. I like the fact that the players, you know, if you can help your employees regardless of the profession, then you do everything you can to do it. And I like the fact that the players get a bit of a, a, a tough time for when the average wage is doled out, uh, Kane, to be 370000 Well, the reality is, I think it's about 30, 30% of players are on somewhere between eighty five and hundred grand base than match payments. So if you're taking 50% or 70% of 85000 you know, it doesn't, you and don't no need match, to be on start and to no, realise not a lot left. And no match payments. And no, no match payments. No matches. There's no match payments. Which so. is about, what, 5,000 a game picks as well, I think. So I like the fact there's some protection in there for those players who, as Marshy said, still might have families. They might be um, at the tail end of their career. They might be at the beginning of their career, but that they need to be factored into as well. So it was, it was there was well, layers of complication to what it. I found, what I find surprising is even the, your use of the word PR war. There, there was no PR war from the Players Association or the AFL. The PR war was driven main, was driven 
solely by the media. It wasn't a PR war as far as the players are up against the AFL. It wasn't like a CBA and the fans negotiation. Own, I reckon pickers. Like yeah, but the fans have gone on the back of what the the, the media are. are no, but if are but if Patrick Dangerfield them. is is good enough to join Jared in the morning and and say what he says about wanting financial clarity and and then we have other players talking about their investment properties. I mean that doesn't yeah, really well, wash with the general public. There were, well, there was some yeah there were there was some comment, commentary by players. It was just like really did you really need to say yeah, that? I think I think that was the thing. I think they were probably ill. That was, well, I don't know if they were. I think they were just naive. Yeah, okay. Like, they're naive and, and didn't get the feel of where it actually fits in the, in and the, the world. The wider public, as you can appreciate at the moment, it's like a hornet's nest. People are angry, they're upset. Are, and yeah. then and then reading and hearing this was only exacerbating it, of course. Yeah, there's yeah. a few grumpy people in the text machine already this morning. <laughs> well, firstly, firstly for me, getting the time wrong. I, I introduced you both this hey, morning. Someone this, says, change your watch to Melbourne time, you clown. Right, I now, on, let me, now listen, I haven't done a long show with you. I've done my little spots with you in Adelaide, but I'm just yes. going to I'm gonna have to just pull rank here. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're just going to have to dumb down his, uh, just darken off that uh, the message. He gets he gets caught up in text messages, this bloke. He gets mean tweets and stuff going, I don't want all that. <laughs> listen, Kane's in here, he's hosting. I don't want you, I want you on the job okay, here. I'm Stop in, looking at I'm the in. bloody text I'm machine. I at, cop it as well. I'm looking at the feedback. Because you, you're, you're, stuff. you're saying that uh, it's been driven by the media. I think that, well, that, that there has been, that there is, the average fan out there who can't go to the footy is is upset with the players. Yeah, like, the, the average fan love the players. Well, I reckon they've got some work to do in this environment, Picks. In this, well, if uh, you keep driving this hate, they will. No, not Absolutely. at all. I think I think you've only got to read the text that can't, can't get his eyes up out of and <laughs> the general Twitter, Twitter no, feedback I've, I've been told. I've been, I've been told like a school teacher. No, not no, but if you keep, you keep selling like hate yeah. against the players, if, if the media keeps selling it, the people are going to keep believing it. Mm. it. There's no hate internally. The AFL, the AFL clubs, the players, are, and the players' association are all on the same page. No, I agree with that. I don't I get. I don't get the driving of that. I understand it might, you know, sell some papers and whatever, and putting some articles. I mean, they're all saying in particular. Right? One journalist in particular is just ridiculous. But who? Uh, well, you know damn well who I'm talking who? about. We all know. Anyway, but like, male or female? Oh, take a wild guess. <laughs> take a wild guess. He's a real high, real hygienist. Hygienist. <laughs> Hygienist. <laughs> anyway, look, all I'm saying is that I just think, look, okay, it's been sorted. That's what it's going to be. You know, can we just leave it now? Yeah, as in, we can talk about it, yeah. but can we just leave it now? Because that's what it's been agreed by all parties, clubs, players association, mm. players, and the and the AFL. Yep. No, uh, we, are, we are going to lighten things up as well and talk about the footy. This has clearly been the biggest talking point all week, and this is what we needed to address we with Paul Marsh this morning. We haven't talked about the footy all week, We are we? going to talk about the footy this morning, though, because you've demanded that we will do that. So we will get on to some footy, Ross Lyon and Tony Crock. Cochran and their war of words. We'll speak about the future of the under-18, the draft, what it means for those players coming through, the state leagues and what position they're sort of in and, and lots of footy on the agenda throughout the morning. We'd love your help as well. one 736 736 is the Southern Phone open line. Pickers, what about the likes of Gary Ablett, who you manage? Are you worried that this may be the way he goes out? Um, no, I think they will get footy in. You know, you've, you've heard you heard Paul Marsden as... 
Sounds like Sammy's having himself something to eat. Mm. Oh, come on, Sammy. Good breakfast. I understand. Some wheat I understand. I understand, mate. Come on. Come on. So he understands you're working from home. He's had a crack at me for the text message. Yeah, well, I'm on to that. Miles of that, and he's had a crack at you for, for eating breakfast well, on the job, Sammy. Well, come well, on. Man, he's having breakfast at lunchtime. Get out of bed a bit early. And the rest of us have done three hours of radio before we started <laughs> what, this. What this proves is I need to clear the desk. I feel yeah. like I'm living at it at the moment. Exactly. There's a bit too much crockery. Right, so Kano, uh, I think they'll get back and play, and mm. I think um, Gary won't retire on that one game. He played bloody well too last week. Yeah. He was one of the few players from Geelong that did uh, that did play well. I thought last mm. week, like across the four quarters. I mean, the Cats I thought were okay. We'll get to that. Um, look, I, I, I'm not what, not thinking that way at the moment. Neither is Gary. So I think we're hopefully we're all going to get back and play at some stage, and we'll see how it goes from there. Right, let's get to the phones. Kenny has given us a call. Good, morning, uh, good afternoon to you, Ken. Good afternoon, boys. How you going? Good, thanks. Okay. Ken. Um, I've got two things. One thing is I'd like to keep the politicians' noses out of bloody about talking about people dropping a bit in their wage to you know get through these times if they did it themselves. The other thing is that um, what happens with these contracts that are back ended and front ended? Say this year was your year, like if you had a front ended contract and you were going to get eight hundred this year and then four hundred for the next couple of years, what happens to those guys? Um, that'll be sorted out. Potentially in the future years, um, depending on what happens with the retirement funds and the like. Uh, there'll be a bit of that. They're still working through that part of it at the moment, is my understanding, Ken. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's tricky. If there's no games, it's going to be very difficult to, to be able to work through. But if they get the games out, they, they'll be able to come to some agreement or some arrangement based still on the on the percentages that everyone will, um, will be reduced by obviously, depending on games played. So if it's games played, it'll be half your pay going forward from May, or pretty much from now, actually. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a bit of work still to do on that part of it. Good on you, Kenny. Give us a call. We'll get to John on the other side of this. This is crunch time for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos mould, air quality and environmental services. Sammy Edmund is here. Liam Pickering is here. We're taking your calls right throughout the morning. And we promise to get onto the footy very, very shortly. There's a lot we need to address this morning. Stay with us and get involved in the show. This afternoon, Kane. it is a big one coming up this <laughs> afternoon. Change your clock to Melbourne time, you clown. <laughs> The award-winning Crunch Time. Kane Corns, Liam Pickering, Sammy Edmund in the house for Crunch Time. It is all thanks to Identifiber Asbestos Risk Management. And you can get involved in joining the conversation this morning, one 736 736 Let's talk some footy. Uh, Pickers, his one demand this morning was, let's get on and talk some footy. There's only one round that we can talk about, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. And some big games that we've missed in round two. But are we brave enough to have dropped off any team so far from what we saw in round one? I think there's four that separated themselves. I think West yep. Coast, the Giants, uh, West Coast, uh, Collingwood, um, and Richmond. I might have just named five you, separated West, themselves. West Coast. So who are West Coast. West Coast, the Giants. Collingwood. Collingwood and Richmond. And Richmond. They're okay. the four. They're your four. They're they're the four. No real surprise. We've got them all up near the top. There's no one there that we're out of that that I didn't have in my top four or five, or four or five at least. Mm. Uh, Hawthorne were the big winner for mine. Mm. Uh, I just thought the way they, they their style of footy just won me over, uh, and I didn't have them in my eight. Um, Bulldogs are a concern, but it's only a bad night at the office. I'm putting that down to. I think they'll be better than that. Uh, I, I haven't dropped off the Cats by any stretch of the imagination on their performance. I thought they played quite well, um, considering. The Giants played really well, and 
kicked straight, 17-3. Mm. And uh, the interstate team, Sydney was a gutsy win. That was a good win. They're going to have their work cut out against some of the more experienced teams. Port Adelaide did the job, uh, albeit against the Gold Coast, who'd had an impressive preseason. Adelaide are going to battle. Adelaide will battle, but they're young, um, as are the Swans, by the way. Um, yeah, so there's a few. There's a few clubs. I think Carlton didn't chuck it in the other day against uh, against Richmond. Tigers look look impressive. Do you think Richmond Collingwood game this week would have been a beauty? Would have been a beauty, and there would have been the showdown today, which would have been a beauty as well. Um, Johnny's on the line. He's giving us a buzz. Uh, good afternoon to you, John. G'day. How are you going? Good, thanks. Look, I don't want to keep on harping in relation to the wages, and and I understand that you've already talked about this, but I just want to make this plain and simple and clear to you guys. It's terrible that people are going to lose 50% of the wage, right? Mm -hmm. But it's even more terrible that people have lost 100% of the wage. They don't know how they're going to feed their kids. They don't know how to pay their rent or their mortgage. They have got new cars. They've got old cars, that they can't put petrol into them. And you guys are whinging and moaning about 50% of your wages. No one's doing that, John. You, no one's you doing are. that. You no, are, because no, no. you were just doing it before, mate. You no, were no, carrying no. on about players. Hang on a second, mate. You were carrying on about bloody players saying they're going to lose 50% of the wage. No one was carrying big on about deal, it. We're just mate. giving you the deal. Big deal, mate. People have lost 100% of the bloody wage. Get a reality check. Get out of your frigging bubbles. And get into the real world. You're a pack of morons. I think we, under- think- I think we understand. We understand what you're saying, we, we, John. We understand, John. But no one's whinging about it. No, we're just giving. We're just giving you the facts of, of what it is. I don't think anyone is whinging about it. You could argue that the players and I thought the way in their public commentary during the week didn't endear themselves to the football public. You could certainly argue that. It was a bit that, naive. But we we are just giving you the facts and. I mean, life life isn't fair. I mean, these professional sports people earn big money. Overseas, they earn big money because that's the profession that they're in. So life has never been fair. Life isn't fair at the moment. We have sympathy for everyone who is going through what they are going through this week. We are here to talk about football and here to give you the most up-to-date information about what is happening with the game, which is which is also suffering, as is a lot of people out there. But we, we, we understand your hurt, your anger, and everyone else out there. And, and if we can give you a platform to have you say, we'll always do that. But I don't think any of us were, were whinging or complaining. I think that was a bit bit off that call there. I think we need a disclaimer as well, gents, don't we? That we have an, a, an understanding of the wider society, but we are essentially a football program. So we're dealing with football players and, and football employees and their specific scenarios at the moment, notwithstanding the fact that there are far more uh, bigger problems out there in wider society. I think, do we need to say that? Maybe it's obvious, well, think, but perhaps I think it's we pretty obvious. I think we've said it enough um, and no one here is whinging about it. We're trying right. to give you the, the facts of what's been agreed from an AFL player's perspective. That's the reality. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Rob is on the line. You also want to speak about play wages, Rob. Yeah, mate. How are you, Dusty? Good, thanks. So Dusty's on 1.2. Allegedly. Reportedly. So 600 for him, not too bad. What's someone like uh, Marlon Pickett on? Probably on the minimum. Minimum, yeah. Draftee, so probably 100 grand. So him dropping a 50, that's a B. Yeah. What's your point, what, Rob? I, I don't know what the point is. The point is the players on big money should take a bigger drop. Oh, uh, well, they will be taking a bigger hit. 
Bigger percentage, you mean, do you? Yeah. Bigger percentage. Yeah. Well, I think the, the, the guys on the minimum will be looked after in the back end somehow. Yeah. So they're not completely disadvantaged mm. compared to the, you know, but that's a lot of money to drop. It's and, dusty. If you're talking that sort of money. Well, let, let's be clear though. So they've already been paid because I think I'm correct in saying this. Five months salary. Yeah. So the contracts go from October but to that, October. So they've yeah, been paid that, in full up to this point. Yeah. And they've the been year. training and they've been preparing to play yeah, before no, this I, all happened. I'm just yeah. giving you giving They've been paid to what they've done. So it's yep. not 50, it's not 50% of 1.2 million. For no, no, it's not. No, no, no so, it's not because it's, it's from now on. And it'll be it'll be seventy percent if they don't get back. I, I know we're going to leave this conversation soon, but if I could just sneak this one through, someone like Darcy Moore, who deservedly was due a uh, a big pay bump this year, and it was going to be a long term contract, might still very well be, of course, in, in the length of it. But what does this mean for someone like him? And he's not on his own here. But when it comes time to renegotiating this, uh, there must be a fair period of uh, uncertainty for him and anxiety. How's he dealing well, with no, it? He's been all right. Uh, he's fine. Uh, I think everyone understands the situation at the moment. There's no contracts being ticked off. So we can sit down with the club. We don't know what the cap's going to be for a start. It could come yep. back a couple of million dollars a club. So if that's the case, I mean, you've got to understand that before you can really lock into a deal. And there's three, basically, three uh, parts that need to sign off on a contract. There's the player, the club, and then the, the AFL, AFL is as the final tick-off. The final tick-off will not be done. Mm. So no one will be recontracted. In well, this the final tick-off might not come until after Christmas, potentially, could it not? Oh, absolutely it is. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it depends when the season finishes. Because yeah. it would be this time where you would have list managers from clubs just reaching out to you. I don't know how it works. Maybe a sneaky text message. What's happening with this player? Is he happy out of contract? Mm. Uh, and starting to gauge their interest, whether they're happy at their current club. Now, I'm assuming list managers may have been laid off around all clubs. A lot of them have, yep. What, what happens with player movement at the end of this year? Can you forecast Hard to forecast there? anything. We yeah. don't even know what the draft's going to be. We don't know what the order's going to be. We don't know what the cap looks like. So, no, we're all flying blind at the moment. Mm. So there's no real clarity from anybody until we understand whether the season is going ahead and how it looks. And, look, this is a seriously weird time we're in. It's a devastating time in general. Mm. Mm. So, I mean, everyone's just got to just take a breath. It's a game of footy. Uh, it affects so many people, but it also, you know, as we know, we've got to work through it together, and that's what everyone's trying to do. So once we get a lay of the land from where it all sits, this whole um, coronavirus um, situation, that no one's going to know. We're all going to be sitting here speculating about what could potentially happen, but we don't know. Mm. Mickey Turner from the Geelong Falcons Footy Factory is going to join us a little bit later on. We'll continue to take your calls as well. one 736 736 Does this shorter season, does it, does it suit anyone in particular? Do, do you think if they are condensed into a short season, is there an ageing team like a Hawthorne, like a Geelong, that this will suit? Or is it going to be the young bucks like the Giants who have those powerful midfielders and, and many avenues to goal that be pretty hard to go Well, I think it's going, to, it's going to a little bit to do with the fixture. Mm. Collingwood are a really fast-starting club as a general rule. How many times have we seen them 9-3 and three at the break? Yes. They normally get the wobbles after that, but if you're 9-3 and three in this current environment... Geelong's a bit the same. Cats what got away to a great start last year and then got the wobbles towards the finish uh, after the bye. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. This is a pretty big bye we're going to have yeah, <laughs> between <right>. round one <laughs> ten <laughs> week by. and round, uh, round two. Do they win off the bye? Wait for that story. Oh, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an enforced bye. It's like re- re- back to winning the first game of the year again. Uh, so I think the fixture is going to have a lot to do with it. Yeah. So that's going to change, obviously. It's not going to be the situation we're in at the moment because – my understanding is that there'll be games on every second night. 
Sammy, anything you saw from round one, be it the 16 and a half minute quarters that, that you think may be here to stay? Is there any positives that we can take out of this change of rules that we saw just from one fixture? Well, I don't want this to be all about picks, of course, but speaking of Gary Ablett earlier, individually speaking, surely it helps someone like him if we have a reduced season with reduced minutes he might even eke one more year out there. Oh, I know I'm oh, putting oh, the cart yes. way before the horse, <laughs> yeah. but you asked me after for a pre- positive. After the preseason, everyone will say he was gone. Yeah. <laughs> he comes in the first round, as he always does, and plays the way a champion does. Everyone says, oh, people that were writing off Gary Abbott, well, you were one of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, look, it, look, I think the less game time, the less um, – Look, he wasn't going to play 22 yards. No, There's no, no question about that. He was probably going to only play 16 or 17. 17. So uh, he's, his body's good. He's sharp. He looked sharp the other night uh, against the Giants. So And still playing that forward role. So, no, I think he's still got a lot to offer this year. Will he play on next year? God, he'll be bloody 45, won't he? Mm. Well, no, he'll be 36 or something. Well, Sean Bergwijn's still 37. He dominated in round one as well. Oh, again, his, playing forward. Yeah, 400 is in sight for him. Yeah. He had 10 possessions, but how important was he yeah, every, in that game? Every time he touches it, something something happens. He's is, he, is he the best player you played with? Um, At Port? I, no, I think Warren Treadray is the best yeah, player, great player I ever played with. Gavin Wangen in the conversation, but Sean Burgoyne is just remarkable. So does he Does he go on again? Uh, who knows? There's so many ramifications. Well, the fans, thing is, and the other thing is, Kane is, and, and um, Sammy, is that what will they do with list sizes? Because that hasn't been discussed yet. Well, they shrink. They shrink, surely. They have to shrink. Which which uh, means there's less opportunities for yeah. young players coming mm. in. The the players on the peris, um, periphery, really, of, of the team at the moment will be nervous, um, you know, because if, they'll need to get back on. Because if they're going to have to make cuts, obviously it's going to affect some players. Mm. I just and, wonder and, as well, yeah. Sammy, with that, there's been a bit of talk um, in recent times about lifting the draft age from – seven and a half or 18 or whatever no. it is to, to 19. If list sizes come back. This is the time to do it. I think this would be the time to do it. I've never, I've never to, been for it. And Kate. either have I. But if you're going to have, well, you're going to have players that might come on a list and not play for a couple of years. What's the point? Just let them develop in the lower leagues. Keep the positions there already for the established players that might lose their job yeah. if the youngsters still come in. So if you're ever going to have a look at lifting draft age, it is right now. Just put them back for a year. Leave the positions there for the players that would get probably delisted if they had a big uh, draft influx like we do every year and, and have a look at that. I, I think everything is on the table right now. Well, these are all great questions from Mick Turner a bit later on this yeah, afternoon, Kate. Yeah, over it. But shift to Kevin Sheehan saying the rookie and national drafts, are still, they're still planning for that to happen in November. I mean, they could be trimmed to perhaps less than uh, two rounds because the, the lists are going to have to be culled, of course. And the under-18 championships, what of those? Such a great shopping window for clubs. I mean, they're going to be pushed back as well. Will they be shrunk? I mean, all sorts of questions up in the air with the, with the under-18 program, of course. Mm. Mickey Turner is going to join us on the other side of this. He's the Geelong Falcons talent manager from the Geelong Footy Factory. This is Crunch Time with Sammy Edmund, Liam Pickering and your calls. one 736 736 Welcome back to Crunch Time, Liam Pickering, Sammy Edmund and Kane Corns with you through until 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's all thanks to Identify, but Asbestos Risk Management Service. And as always, the lines are open. The Southern phone open line is one 736 We've been having a lot of thoughts about the draft and where to next for the youngsters who are currently unable to play in their draft year, which is certainly their most exciting year of footy 
In your career, someone who may be able to shed some light on that for us is the Geelong Falcons talent manager. His name is Michael Turner. Mickey, thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks, boys. Uh, interesting times. How are you holding up personally? Oh, look, it's obviously been... Look, I think you've got to look at the general community, as we've all said. I mean, you know, it's a, it's unprecedented times. I mean, I'm 65 years old and, um, <laughs> you know, been through the Vietnam War, was nearly called up uh, like um, uh, Kane's dad, obviously. And um, so I went through that, the global financial crisis, you know, interest rates at 18% and the whole lot of other stuff. And uh, But look, this is absolutely unprecedented. So it's had, you know, a massive effect on the community and... Um, you know, the first thing is people's jobs and people's health and uh, the economy and everything. So it just filters down from there. But, you know, obviously at AFL level, it's had, uh, had, you know, it's had significant impact. Mick, it's the players' grand final year for these young men coming through the uh, TA, well, the NAB, Cup, NAB system now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How have they been and how, and how has the support been around these young guys that, you know, this is their year 12 at school uh, in yeah. the majority of cases and they're looking forward to a big, you know, year with the Falcons and then the Carnival and yep. then potentially drafted. How are they dealing with it all? Yeah, well, it's interesting for us because I think it's probably the best draft group we've ever had come through, and that's saying something because we've had some uh, some great drafts. So we were looking really looking forward to this year. We, we stripped it back last year and played a lot of under-17-year-olds to get experience for this year, and uh, we're up and ready to go. So, look, we've been through all our pre-season, obviously the practice games, fitness testing at Maribyrnong, and we're getting ready for round one. And, of course, you get the conference call that um, you know, the season's been shut down. So, look, I can only speak from our club. But, look, whether we're working for the AFL, which we do, um, you know, and obviously, you know, 80% of AFL staff has been stood, stood down, including me, um, uh, you know, we, we're still going to do the right thing by the players and the parents and our staff. So there's a duty of care there. So no one, you know, I would think in the industry, and I can only talk for our club, is going to walk away from the players. I mean... From our perspective, um, boys, we've uh, yeah we've had Zoom conferences with the parents, we've had them with the players. Um, you know, every email that's come from the AFL has gone to our staff and our players and our parents. Um, we've set programs for them. Programs have come out from the AFL talent department. Uh, we've added our own uh, slant to that with nutrition and a whole lot of you know support documents and training programs that uh, support them when they can only train on their own. So. You know, from our perspective, that that will be done on a weekly basis because the um, you know the circumstances surrounding the coronavirus changes weekly, so we'll adapt to that. So, you know, I can assure everyone out there, even though we're not playing, um, you know, every one of our staff and you know whether they're full time like me, part time or um, you know lowly paid volunteers, they're still going to be um, providing support for the players. The thing that they can't do is they can't do it face to face, obviously, but we're doing it online and um, we'll continue to do it. Mick, it's Sam Edmund here. Th- thanks for joining us this afternoon, mate. So what have the Falcons been told, if anything, about the national draft or the under-18 championships and what contingencies may or may not be placed around those two big events? Yeah, look, n- n- nothing specific. I mean, just like you, you hear different stories going around. But look, I think the AFL's you know, focus is, um, you know, it has been, first of all, restructuring the AFL. Um, you know, and that's been a difficult process for a lot of people, you know, being stood down. So, you know, everyone's in different circumstances. So, um, look, the AFL have been pretty generous because uh, our stand down was basically yesterday when we got our letters. But, you know, they're still paying us um, up until, um, you know, before Easter and obviously public holidays during Easter. And when you hit Easter Tuesday or the Tuesday after Easter, you know, you're on your own. But, you know, so, so they've been pretty generous, as much as they can be. And then, I mean, p- people are affected in different ways. So, 
in my circumstances, I got a reasonable amount of long service leave like I draw upon, but you know that'll that'll run out at some stage. And um, you know everyone's uh, in dif- different circumstances, so uh, so that side of things has uh, has been quite quite difficult. But in terms of uh, the draft, I mean, we'll, we'll be directed by the AFL. I mean, Gil McLaughlin, the executive. Yeah, you know, we'll be working nearly 24-7. I mean, the first thing they want to do is get the players sorted out, then they want to get their finances sorted out, and their priority is going to be to get the AFL up and running because people have got to realise that even though, uh, you know, Marvel Stadium's a, a massive asset, as um, soon as the TV stopped, the TV rights stop and the uh, commercial stops and also the advertising stops and... Um, you know, the income doesn't come in, so you can't run a you can't run a business without income uh, or you're insolvent. So they've had to make uh, a massive uh, massive change, and I suppose they're looking for a line of credit now with the NAB Bank and the um, and the uh, and the government to uh, to get back up and running if we do. And it's very likely at this point that playing lists will be cut as well, Mick, for next year. I mean, you've been in the game for such a long time. You've got so many kids under your belt that have gone through and been stars of the competition. Are you concerned for this current crop that there's just going to be less seats at the table? Uh, it just depends how they structure it. I mean, as I said to you before, um, there's better people uh, discussing those things than me at the moment. And um you know, the AFL, I think, certainly when it comes back, is going to be completely different. Um, I'm not saying it's going to go back to my era of the 70s and 80s, but it could go pretty close. I mean, the game can only afford what it can afford. And how many levels of support uh, are available from the AFL um, is, is yet to be worked out. But the priority is to get the AFL going. Uh, where the VFL sits, I'm not quite sure. If they reduce club lists, well, obviously the VFL is going to be affected. But... I'm not, I'm not saying this because I work in this part of the industry, but I would have thought the AFL would be the priority and I'm probably hoping that uh, for the future of the game I'm talking about, the talent would be a, a very high priority as well because that is the future of the game. I mean, when James Warble gets drafted from the Geelong Falcons and goes to Hawthorne and wins at best and fairest, uh, that's why people watch TV because they want to watch great players. Um, you know, and, um, and that's why people buy memberships and that's why people sponsor clubs and, you know, all the other things that come with it. So um, the AFL are very aware, I would have thought, of, um, yeah, the game's got a lot of talented players playing now, but they've got to look after the future talent as well. So whether it gets up this year, I'm not sure, because the priority will be the AFL. Um, and what, what, how it gets up and what it looks like next year is, uh, is to be worked out. Geelong Falcons talent manager Michael Turner joining us on Crunch Time this afternoon. Uh, Mick, what about the recruiting of these players? I guess the recruiters will never earn their money as much this year, particularly if the players don't p- play. How far out yeah. are they tracking these youngsters? Oh, look, they really start tracking them at 16. I mean, Liam would know that. I mean, any really good player, um, you know, is at that age is playing you know, for the Falcons under 16s and in, in our case playing for Vic Country in the National Championship. So, a player like, if I can pull a name like Tanner Bruin, who's a pretty high-profile player for us, the AFL clubs would be would have been tracking yeah, him since tracking 16. Him. But look, but boys, um, but boys, you know, develop at different levels. Some boys don't get going until 17 or 18, like Gary Rowan did, or in our case, 19, with uh, players uh, that have been drafted as 19-year-olds, such as um, you know, Mason Wood and those sorts of players. So, uh, and players, obviously, more mature players are getting drafted all the time now. So. Um, in our, just to let people know, so you know, obviously our season hasn't started, but we're ready to go around one. So already we've sent all our vision of our practice grounds to the AFL clubs. So we played the Western Jets and we played North Ballarat uh, Rebels. That vision's all gone to the AFL clubs and um, all our fitness testing and pre-season data. We have Rookie Me who do the draft combine. 
before and after Christmas, they're tested. Uh, we do 2K time trials, a whole range of things, and then they get tested at Maribyrn on Secondary College. So all that information's on a big data sheet. And that's gone to AFL clubs as well. So, you know, there, there's, so if there's no draft this year, um, or there is a smaller draft, um, the, the recruiters are all in the same boat. They're going to have mm. to do it, in our case, off two games and a whole lot of data. Yeah, what well. they know, how the boy played when he was 17 and how the boy played when he was 16 if he was playing. So everyone's, you know, all the AFL recruiters are on a, an even playing field and um, uh, they're just going to have to do the best with what they've got. No, no question about that, Mick. The, uh, your crew, you reckon it's a good crew this year? Uh, let's give us some names. Uh, you know, sight unseen with a lot of pl- people out there. They don't really see the kids until the carnival. If we don't have a carnival, yeah. uh, we're yeah. relying on guys like you with a, with a deadly eye. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, I, it's it's um, you can't get fifteen players drafted because it just doesn't work out that way. But you know, if you it, we, we've identified probably fifteen to twenty that have got a chance, and uh, if we get five, six, seven, or eight, we have had a fantastic year. So, yeah, you know, we've got some good boys there, and you know, not not picking anyone. Tanner Bruins a very good player, yeah, good player. and um, you know, Jack Henry, his brother Ollie Henry's a, you know super player. Um, Sam Walsh's brother um, Henry's. He's different to Sam. He's 203 centimetres. And, um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's a bloody 203 centimetre rocker than Sam Walsh's brother. So there's a fair chance he's going to get drafted, isn't it? Even if, oh. if, you know, if he's playing with us, he's going to go. So, um, but there's many, many underneath that. We've got some really exciting players. And, um, you know, whether they get the opportunity this year, I'm not so sure pickers. It's, um, um, you know, it's, well, we're all working towards May the 31st and, uh, and hopefully the AFL's up and running by then. But that's going to be, that's going to be governed by the virus, you know. The, yeah, of course. The AFL's got no control over that. The government's going to make those decisions. If we don't get up and going this year, um, you know, I, I, what people have got to realise commercially is that when we get to round one, we're, we've basically had our big spend. We've bought all our apparel, all our staff are organised, all our fitness and testing equipment. And I mean... People probably don't know it out there, but uh, NAB clubs have 50 staff. Um, we have a full-time manager, me, and we have uh, a lot of part-time people, a lot of volunteers that um, are actually paid honorariums, those sorts of things. So we have 50 staff. So we're up and ready to go by round one. Now, if we don't get up and going this year, uh, we're ready to go next year. Uh, and I would suggest, um, depending on what the AFL do with the draft, if, if nothing's done... Uh, there's an opportunity there to to not lose this cohort of players, yeah. is to roll them out again next year in a non-annual competition. Totally, that's exactly where I was getting to with that, Mick. Is that we play maybe five, six players that can play as overage players, which you need to get approval for, like the 19-year-old yep. type players. Yep. There could be a really good opportunity if they if for the players that they're overlooked to increase that next year. Uh, and as well as potentially looking, I guess, at, at whether they increase the draft age so the kids yep. from this next year's crop don't get left behind because that's a good crop too. Yeah, well, it's been mooted for a while. I mean, you know, probably the biggest impact on um, going 19-year-olds is the social one. Um, you know, uh, when they're 18, the boys are still living at home. They're going to school. Most of them are doing their VCE. They're in a pretty disciplined environment. But, look, a, a couple of examples I'll make. Um, when James Warp was drafted from us, he was uh, obviously 18, but he'd left school and he was working and he still was uh, disciplined enough to get through the year and, you know, become a great Hawthorne player. And Cooper Stevens last year, who was with us and broke his leg, still got drafted number 16 at Geelong. He was finished school also and had to, you know, basically spend the whole year in rehab. Um, so so players can, can certainly do it. I think the advantages of, because of the extraordinary circumstances, if, if it went 19 next year, 
Um, it, it, it just stops all the um, political jousting and the availability of players between the schools and, um, and the NAB League. So mm. the advantage to all the kids and all the recruiters and everyone would be those 19-year-olds that was rolled over next year would be available every week. Yep. And the recruiters would see them playing every week and they wouldn't be bouncing between their private schools or their Catholic schools or whatever school they go to in and out of programs. So you would get a, a level of consistency. What, what people are worried about in the country, because is that if they do go 19, um, they're worried about you know players yeah. leaving, say, Ballarat or Bendigo and coming down to Melbourne or going to uni. Now, in my case... That happens in Geelong to a certain extent because we have boys from Bendigo going to Geelong Grammar. Yeah, of course. Um, yep. Yeah, and they go back and play at Bendigo. Now, if that happened, you know, as a talent manager, you know, if there were kids in Geelong going to Deakin University or wherever, and they were from Ballarat or Bendigo or Murray or Gippsland, they'd come and train with us, and when you know, and they go back and play their local, uh, with their t- uh, NAB clubs on the weekend. You know, I don't expect them to play with the Falcons. I want them to to have opportunity to play. Um, you know, with their own clubs, so there's there's more people actually playing. So you know, that that's another thing to consider. So we've all got to support each other, and um, we've got to make decisions in the best interest of the um, individual and the player. So provide him opportunities, and um, and, and work through that system. So you know, I'm surmising. I'm I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I like what you're happen, saying. But there, is, yeah. but there is an opportunity, and and it certainly can be worked through. You know, so you know the disciplined players will always rise to the top. The ones that aren't. They probably might get distracted at uni or driving their cars or whatever. But um, if the competition doesn't get up next year, and I ho- this year, and I hope it does, um, you know, next year is a bit of an opportunity to um, to have a crack at that. Good on you, Mickey. You're always generous with your time, mate. Appreciate it in difficult circumstances, and, and hopefully mm. we can chat to you throughout the year. Thanks, boys. Good luck. One of the AFL absolute Thanks. gurus, Michael Turner, is the Geelong Falcons talent manager. What a player he was, Mickey Turner. All the ramifications. You wouldn't even remember him I, as a player. I wouldn't. So he's, Jeez, he's 65. He's more of my dad's vintage. But yeah, we would have played a lot against him in state yeah. games. My word. Mm. Number nine for the Cats on the wing. Team of the century. Was he? Oh, yeah, he's an AFL Hall of Famer. Oh, he's, a, he's a, yeah, AFL Hall of Famer, for sure. This is crunch time. Massive last hour coming up. We've got lines available, 1-300-736-736. Get involved. You know, one thing I'd say is that in the time I've been doing this job, the AFLPA, like we've always been able to find a way through it with the AFL. Um, Dylan and I have always been able to work through difficult problems, um, and I had complete confidence that we'd do that here, and we did. So, you know, I think it, it was... There was a fair bit of hysteria around what was going on here, probably because there wasn't much else to talk about. But I think, you know, we worked through this quickly. We were talking several times, at least every day. You know, we mobilised our board, our players, the agents, as because was just saying, like, this. I think everyone's coming together really quickly here to find a solution to, to keep the game afloat, and I think we've got to a fair outcome. You are listening to Crunch Time for Identify by Asbestos Risk Management Services. That was the AFL Players Association CEO, Paul Marsh. He joined us off the top in the first hour today. He also went on to speak about Gillan McLaughlin, the AFL CEO, and his pay cut. It wasn't even a talking point, to be honest. I mean, I know there was a lot of talk out in um, the public. Um, I think that was coming through the media, um, as has been reported. Gil said to me, you know, if it helps, I'll match the players' car. I, I personally um, don't feel strongly about this at all, and I've told Gil that, and I think he'd, he'd absolutely back me up on that. So I don't think it made um, any significant difference to where we're at, but I think credit to him for, for being actually prepared to do that. 
And one of the more outspoken media figures this week was Lee Matthews, who the AFL-PA Most Valuable Player Trophy is named after. We asked Paul whether he'd caught up with Lee. Yeah, I did. I gave him a call the other night. Um, look, I'd say that I and all of our members have an enormous respect for Lee, and he's completely entitled to his opinion. Um, you know, in our conversation, you know, well, his view was that we should have just done exactly what the AFL asked of us. Um, what you know, and the conversation I had with him was part way through this week before we got to the end. I think you know, clearly we took a few days to work through it, which I don't think was inappropriate given the complexity of what we're dealing with. But we've now reached an, an outcome that both the AFLPA and AFL are happy with. So I would think that um, I would hope that Lee would respect where we've landed and that now would see that okay, this is something that the AFL is happy with. Happy for you to have your say. 1-300-736-736 is the Southern Phone open line. Tom is in Seaford. Thanks for being patient and welcome to Crunch Time, Tom. Oh, g'day, Kane. G'day, Pickers. Look, thanks for discussing this. I think the players may have copped a little bit of a rough deal, and I'll tell you why. Not that they might have made a few mistakes. You know, this is a terrible situation, unique and, and ghastly, and people have lost their jobs across the whole gamut of society. But society, tragically, still works by supply-demand. And what I mean by that, at the moment, Safeway workers, Coles workers are needed, emergency service people are working, home deliveries work, doctors and nurses are needed. Now, they have to be secured to work. Now, when this crisis passes, and let's hope there's as minimal damage as possible, but it's awful, is that people will then turn to the AFL. Now, how would people... Sport, and mainly the AFL is the preeminent game in the country. How would people feel if... Umpteen players was all too much, paid nothing and left left the game and just walked off. We'd have a substandard match. So as soon as this passes, people say, "Get the AFL, let's get the AFL going." And I think that's critically important that those fellows, as, as best as possible, I, I, I know I've heard all the arguments, but a show has to return eventually, and we want good a good standard. The other thing is, uh, and the TV rights and the whole rest of it. The other thing is. What I think the AFL needs to seriously consider is they're, they're securing a line of credit from NAB because they own Etihad or Marvel. The question will soon, soon become, over the time, does the AFL need to build another stadium, a huge stadium, over time as an asset to keep up the sleeve if this nightmare ever happens again so the clubs can all be secured? A few, if, if they didn't have Marvel... We'd be in all sorts of pain. They've got Marvel. They can never own the MCG, but maybe they need to invest in stadiums to borrow against down the track to keep this game afloat and keep the clubs afloat. That's all I wanted to say, and I think it's critically important. That discussion is yet to be had, but, you know, because at the moment, at the moment, if you think about it, if you're fortunate enough to loan your house or part of your house, that's all you've got if you lose your job. So, in effect... Home ownership is the same as stadium ownership eventually. You can borrow against it when the times get tough. And I think people, the AFL needs to... There might have been plenty of feather betting at clubs, but we need to seriously think about owning stadiums where we can, that as many people can contribute and share to, that the game can stay afloat if this nightmare returns. Mm. What are your thoughts on that, fellas? We make a very good point in my view, Tommy. Mm. I must say... uh, yeah, obviously assets are critical if you've got them and you've got the capability. I'm not sure how they're going to be able to afford to go out and get another, build another stadium at the moment. Mm. What do you make of, uh, I think Ross Lyon and Hutchie have spoken about in this in the past, the pay structure of clubs, I think, was moving more towards paying five, six of your stars big money, a big void in the middle, Pickers, and you, you'd 
get a big, bigger perspective than me on this. And then a lot of foot soldiers getting sort of minimum chips and match payments and that type of thing. Do you think this will be more common now if the list size is 35, pay your best five, big money, big gap in the middle, and then a lot of foot soldiers? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think still the game is driven by the, the best players yeah. in the game. So they'll still always be, be, be looked after and paid well. That's why whenever you hear the uh, oh, the average wage is this, well, yep. that's a simplistic way to look at it. But a lot of be 30% at least that would be on the minimum, basically. Mm, mm. And then you've got the top end and then you've got the players sort of chunked in the middle. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a scenario that uh, it'll keep changing, I think, over the next sort of uh, probably 18 months, two years. Don is on the line. Good afternoon to you, Don. <laughs> yeah, how you going, guys? Good, mate. Um, what do you want to talk about? I don't know. Yeah, just AFL betting. Mm-hmm. Um, spoke to my betting mob last week before round one. I put on some bets for uh, margins uh, with games. And that was before the shortened game was announced. And then uh, shortened game, so to my mind, margins want to change. I would have liked to have reassessed my bets, but yeah. my betting mob said no. I've also put uh, money on for futures for grand final, make the eight. Uh, and alike, and with the changes that's going on, shortened season, who knows what, they're still saying they're uh, going to keep me money. Who do you like, Don? Won't, uh, won't give me... Who, do you, who did you bet oh, on? I'm a crazy uh, Tigers man, so I had him at uh, 25 plus against Carlton, uh, but I actually cashed that out with, once I knew it was a shortened game, because uh, I know Tigers sort of come, <laughs> come on strong later in a game quite often. And obviously got them for the flag and put a Quinella on with them in West Coast, but uh, I'd like to you know, a chance to reassess that. Uh, so is it all? We still don't know. Hey, sorry, is it all in betting? Is is that what they're saying to you? Is so if you put your money in, you can't get it out. Is that what they're saying at the moment? Yeah, yeah, it's it's futures bets. Yeah. Um, but I've put these on in good faith uh, before the uh, the current situation took hold, uh, thinking it was going to be a normal full season where everyone. You know, close you know, as per the fixture, and you work out your, um, yeah. you know, who's going to most likely make the eight on them numbers. But now we don't know what the numbers are as to who's playing who, how many games. Yeah. Uh, as to you know how you, I, I really think it's unfair that you're not allowed to you know take that money back in full and reassess your your options. Well, there'll be there'll be some that probably will give you that option. I'm, I'm not sure who you're betting with, and don't bother at this stage saying who it is. But yeah, all the betting markets are all. Uh, well, it's going to be a mm. wait-and-see job, I think, with all them. Surely have... they've suspended betting, boys. Well, number... Yeah, but what, that's exactly right. But Now. Yeah. yeah, but if you've already put your futures <clears> on <throat> and you can't get your, your refund, I sort of get what the, uh, the caller – I'm not sure. What was the caller's name? I haven't got Don. it up here. Don, yeah. And, and I think the premiership markets are still open across the board. It may be just some of those uh, individual um, avenues have been closed yeah, off, of course. course. Yeah, Big show still to come. We're going to speak about the war of words between Ross Lyon and the boss of the Gold Coast Suns, Tony Cochran. And then which players will this big layoff help? Our team of the week also coming up. This is crunch time for Identifiber Asbestos Risk Management Services. It is 19 minutes past one o'clock. Crunch time with you through until two o'clock this afternoon. We'd love your thoughts. one 736 736 is the number. Coming up, we're going to speak about the players at this long layoff may benefit, could be some positives for the likes of Charlie Kernow and some others across the competition who have long injury layoffs. But let's get to one of the big war of words throughout the week. Firstly, Ross Lyon, in his new role as media commentator on Channel 9's Footy Classified, said this about the Gold Coast Suns on Wednesday night. 
The blockbuster teams, the, the big clubs, draw it in and really fund the game. So if we look at the expansion teams, and I admire what it's been done, Gold Coast GWS, but I think it might be, if we just drill into Gold Coast, are they, for what we've pumped in, are we getting return on investment there? And are foundation clubs maybe missing out and under real pressure now? Mm, the president of the Gold Coast Suns, the chairman, is Tony Cochran. <laughs> he, he doesn't hold back. He does not hold back, and he didn't hold back last night. Well, one thing you learn up here is you learn the effort of defence. I mean, uh, I can't believe how often um, I have to step forward and uh, Mark has to step forward and defend our young club. It's just borderline ridiculous, to be honest, and uh, incredibly frustrating because, you know, the only real problem that we've got up here and everybody's got the current problem every single person in the world's got the current problem but the real ongoing problem we've got here is one of success we've built 28 new ovals in the last five years in the gold coast region and northern rivers and it's not enough Mm. we've got junior talent and junior football in both girls and boys absolutely exploding from one end of queensland to the other And that's all because the AFL Commission have done 10 years of hard slog using the media rights fee money to get us into this position. And why anybody would even consider chopping that growth off now just proves that uh, perhaps not only are they a failed coach, but they don't know much about economics either. (laughs) Sam, I'll come to you on this. I didn't think what Ross uh, Lyon said was that controversial. I didn't think it was that outlandish. I thought he made a reasonable point and I watched round one's game between Gold Coast and Port Adelaide where they kick four goals in, what is it now, their, their 10th or, or so season, the money that gets pumped into them every year. I think the question needs to be asked, is it is it return on investment? I don't know about you, Kane, maybe not, but I had the clock running on Tony Cochran coming back uh, on this. He never fails to miss the target, but they've been bashed over the head many times. So they're a sensitive lot up there, but the the money is eye-watering. So it was $27.5 million into the Suns last season. Now, that's the biggest distribution ever handed to a club. And that took it beyond $250 million that the league has pumped into the Suns since they were established in 2009. But I would argue... It's every single one of those dollars is all the reasons that they're not going to pull the plug now. I mean, it might be an enormous year. They, they might be Australian sports' biggest underdog, the Gold Coast Suns. There's, there had to be improvement this year in the short term. And long term, we know they can't afford to get it wrong again. They've been mismanaged for years. But from speaking to Mark Evans in recent weeks and also Tony Cochran as well, and he touched on it there with the development of the game on the Gold Coast, certainly the facilities at the Suns now are at a point where they've got an expanded academy program. They've got kids kicking uh, on the oval, footies on the ovals there every night of the week. So the game is growing there. But the senior team, and I mean... Ross Lyon did have a point. The game might need to be saved to a severe level. But, mm. I mean, we might have a bit of an MLB-style fixture too here as well, guys. I mean, with, with teams flying into uh, interstate venues like uh, Queensland and playing multiple games before flying back. So, I think it's a bit harsh to pick on the Suns. Mm, I'm not sure. Because uh, I think in hindsight, I mean, hindsight's great for things like this, but would the AFL have pumped in as much money? Uh, in hindsight, maybe not. They mm. might not have gone that direction, but the extra game you know, helps with, from a broadcasting perspective, which is where a lot of the money comes from uh, the industry. So uh, they are growing the game, as Tony Cochran said. Uh, I mean, all, all I know is welcome to welcome to having an opinion in the media, Ross. Mm. You can't sit back. You're not a coach no. anymore, mate. You want to make these comments, start getting whacked because that's what's <laughs> going to happen.
And you like the fact he's thinking outside the square, though, don't you? Which well, is it's an easy one to do, though. I mean, he's a guy come mm. come from Fitzroy. He's trying what? He's trying to finish off. He's trying to finish off Suns. Mm. Well, I think he's he a guy that well, hibernate, who's, who's hibernate them for a while, wasn't he? Well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, look, to me, I can see why Tony Cochran and Mark Evans got their backs up. Is there a bit of bad blood between you and Ross? Me and Ross? No. No? Not one bit of bad blood. What was that? I just thought you got No, no, but he comes from a... No, not at all. No, get a touchy. I couldn't get... It's nothing to do with me. What I'm saying is he should know better than anyone. He played for Fitzroy. Yeah. Is that what it means to clubs? Like, I mean, the Fitzroy supporters out there, I mean, a lot of them would have followed Brisbane, but a lot of them wouldn't have. They would have turned away. Yeah, no one wants to see clubs go under. No. And I understand that they haven't got the big supporter base that some of the Melbourne clubs have and over the years and... You know, we saw what happened when the Bulldogs, you know, talking about getting rid of the Bulldogs and merging Melbourne and Hawthorne and all this, you know, it affects a lot of people. There's a lot of people. And I know the Gold Coast don't have the supporter base. I get that. No no question there. They are growing the game in the north. But when, when does their performance – when when can we expect their performance, their performance part of to it. increase? Yeah, like absolutely. The, how many it's, it's part of it. How many first-round draft picks – well, they when they start keeping there. their players, Kane, yeah. they, when they start keeping their players, you know, King and Lacocious, big re-signings into the last year, and I think they had about 15 to 20 re-signings last year, um, and they've got the most funded, the highest funded welfare program program in With, the comp at the moment, as they probably should have had from the get-go. right from the off. Yeah. Well, they and were they that didn't. far behind when they started, with how, what they were given to set up, that any wonder that they started poorly. Mm. Yeah, I, don't I mean, that's seven first years, years in. Like, seven years in, they're still in the portables, and the players weren't going to cop that. But they've got that framework in place now. They've yes. got the welfare funding. They just need them to stay around, don't yeah, they? Yeah, well, they do, because they are growing the game in the north, and that's the whole mantra of, you know, but more was given to the Giants than they were given to the Suns. Yeah, I'm, Much I'm, more. I understand that. but I... And they've had the same retention issue. But let's not forget, four years ago, Brisbane were in the same boat. Mm. Four years ago, you make good decisions off the field, you recruit the right players, you start re-signing players, exactly what Sammy just said then, the Lacoches and these type of characters all the way along, you know, the Kings and these guys, they start building a like, – like the Giants have done. The Giants have done the same thing. They've kept the foundation Toby Greens and Cornelios and Jeremy Camerons, and that's why they're a good club. Hey, Pickers, what, what can, I think, what, just, I think just quickly, last one. You're siding with, with Ross, aren't you, Kane? Well, well, I, well, I am a, a little bit. I mean – I don't want to see. Like Pickett said, he makes a good point. No one wants to see a club fold. Who wants to um, see club but people like that no, situation? No, hundred percent, I don't. Uh, and it is an easy target, and no doubt about that. Particularly at times like this, my concern for the Gold Coast is the management of their list, where they are paying players, I don't know, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars that are that are worth half that. And, and mm. they've they've been on public record to say that. But to, everyone to does keep, that. No, but to keep these guys oh, to, yeah, that are ordinary them. players, yeah. like. I would hate to think what a Jared Witts, a Took Miller is getting. You know, they're getting big money over long term. A lot term, of players getting over. Long term no period. Lockie Weller, they gave up pick two to get in big long term deals when other clubs would, would would balk at that. So how do you how do you get a competitive playing squad when you're paying when there's an, there's ordinary players Gary Ablett money or Patrick Dangerfield money? But a lot of clubs that aren't much good mm. have been overpaying players for years because that's, there's a certain amount of money to spend. And you've got to spend it. Mm. There's a lot of players that over the years that have been getting a hell of a lot of money and haven't been that good mm. because they're playing for a club where they're an, yeah, an okay slash good player at a poor club as opposed to the, the Hawthorne and the Geelong eras that were dominating. And now Richmond, that, Richmond have got players running around. And we saw Brandon Ellis this year. He went up to the Gold Coast, probably copping 600 a year or whatever it yes. is. But he's only 25 or 26. 
I think five or six, whatever he is, he'll have a career at the Suns. He'll bring leadership, and I think that's what we saw in the preseason. They had a shocking start against the Power. Mm. But this has been going on for years, Kane. This, this, the Melbournes of the world, when they were no good, they were overpaying players. Like you go through it. Carlton have been overpaying players for, for years, years because they've had to. Because you don't want to lose, you know, the Mark Murphys of the world. Not that he's he's a good player, but what I'm not shouldn't use Mark actually because he is a bloody good player. But you know, but there have been Dale players. Thomas. Daisy got offered. What was he getting? Six hundred a year to come to Carlton. to Carlton. Now he got injured, but he was a, a very good player at Collingwood. Um, and you look at just how they recruit. That's the only way you can recruit. And the retention is you've got to pay them a bit extra. And it's that's when you've got an even salary cap across all the clubs, which you have to have. You were saying, Sammy? It's 28 first-round picks in 10 drafts at Gold Coast, plus those mini-draft nuggets, Jago O'Meara, Jack Martin. So how many of them are still there? they never finished higher than 12th. Sammy, how many of them are still yep. there of the 28? Yeah, not many. Well, not many. Well, well, how many of the guys? Every pre- Sorry, yeah. how many of the Giants get at the same time? No one's talking about the Giants. Yeah, because the Giants are seen to be a successful organisation. No, yeah, because the Giants are playing finals. Yep. That's the difference. They made the grand final last year. Yeah, the Giants. And, and, it's a harder. It's just as hard a fit to to sell a game in in uh, the western west of Sydney than it is in the northern states, like the Gold Coast. The argument, whether yeah. it's PR spin or not, though, was that the players that the Giants lost, they weren't happy to lose, but the ones they've really wanted to keep, they've been able to keep. You could lodge that argument. Whereas at the Suns, they desperately wanted to keep O'Meara. You know, they desperately wanted to keep Prestia. They wanted to keep Ablett. And then it was Saad. And then it was Tom Lynch. And then Stephen May departed. I mean, it was it was just one press conference after another. It was take one name out, insert another name. Yeah. Is he going? Is he staying? The, the, the two... In, of all that crew you just mentioned, including Gary, the two biggest losses they've had, in my view, have been their co-captains, mm. Stephen May and, and, and Tom Lynch. Lynch particularly. Yeah, and you can't have a go at these guys for doing that. If they don't see that they're going to win a flag where they are, and they're Melbourne boys, well, Stevie May's from Melbourne school, but he's he's not, he's from up north. But the reality is, is they saw the... Mm-hmm. They'd be getting paid more money. Tom Lynch would have got more money to stay at the Gold Coast than he, to go to Richmond. He's got less to go to a, to a club that's going to give him a chance you know, to win. Don't think Dion Prestia is complaining about his decision. Well, Dion Best Prestia, and fairest in a premiership. Yeah, that's year. what I mean. I like and Lynch has come across, he's won a flag in his second uh, year. No, no, one, before, so. no one blames them for going. And the, this reset, that's why this year was such an important one and the next year too, because these kids that have just come in have got to see some improvement and they've got to get to, by the time they get to 23, 24, that they can see the club is going somewhere. Otherwise, this latest handout, which was three years worth of priority picks and academy player access and the, the Darwin region as the academy zone, etc., 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 are going to be for naught Again, do you think? Do you think they will improve? I do. Yeah. Well, I, taking out that first game, well, that have, was pathetic. They, have, but, they won three last. I thought they'd win double, so I thought they'd win six games. This yeah. Year. Well, all right. What are we copping as a real improvement? I'd say eight games. I mean, it's hard now. So call it six yeah, now. Yeah. So six now. I, yeah. But I, I would think that they would. You know, I, I think they will improve. I, I genuinely do, and I think the more that you get games into these younger guys. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, Matt Rowell and Noah Anderson, if they mm. can Good lock thing. into that football club, Matt Rowell in particular, he'll carry him across the he'll carry him off the across the line on his back. That so I've only seen him once. And I don't manage him for people that think I'm pumping up a client. He's not a client of mine. He reminded me so much of a young Michael Boss. I, I don't That's the sort of kid he is. Bossy was skinny. He'll be follow me. 
and just watch me. I'll lead you. That's yeah. what he'll do. And I haven't seen I haven't seen Rankin yet as well. I can oh, tell you, being a South Australian, he played senior footy in his draft year. He's he's a, he could be a superstar. We haven't seen him yet as he is his body so gets. talented. But That's he's extended. Right. Yeah, and Lacocious is extended, which is yeah. huge as well because all the Adelaide clubs would have wanted him back. So there, there are some positives, but just in a time when the game is hemorrhaging money and they clearly didn't have a backup plan for what is going on now, you look at the money that's been invested in the Gold Coast and, and Ross probably makes a reasonable point, albeit it's a good one in hindsight. Oh, yeah, it's a really big hindsight call in my view and it's an, it's an easy one and I, I just... I didn't think it was necessary. Mm. Greg's on the line. He wants to chip in on this topic. Uh, g'day to you, Greg. Yes, good afternoon, good afternoon, gentlemen. Sorry, I'm in self-isolation here. I've had a couple of sherbets. So you'll have to run with me. <laughs> you sound good. You're all right. Um, You're all right. <laughs> thanks, guys. It's a bit of a tough time. I'm, sort of, I'm weeping crocodile tears at the moment. I haven't got footy. I haven't got rugby. I, mm. I've got no NBA. But anyway, guys, listen to you religiously. I mean, Kane, you've heard me many, many times. Um Guys, I think GWS are in such a great position at the moment, and let's be honest, they're going to be the premiership favourites within the next, if they're not now, um, definitely over the next four or five years. It's the positions that, that were filled by blokes like Kevin Sheedy and, and Choco, and, and when they went up there, they, they're brilliant football brains, and they put the, the early steps in place to get success at a, at a very fast rate. And I don't think, um, just from the outside looking in, Squinton and all the rest of it. I don't think the, the Gold Coast did that. I think they just threw a hell of a lot of money at a hell of a lot of kids and sort of hope for the best. Well, they, they actually did. Coast. To be honest, Greg, they didn't even do that. What they did was they said, you can take all these good kids for the first year and play in the VFL, whatever, and you can go out and you can pick the eyes out of who you want. Now, you can argue that they got Ablett. Well, Ablett was obviously an obvious one that they got right. Harbrow. Mm, they had guys like Jared Brennan. Jared Brennan? Didn't work. Um, cracker, Carmichael Hunt, Cracker. Yeah, there's. Well, Carmichael Hunt, I don't even count. Yeah, that's just, <laughs> that's an AFL appointment. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, he played nearly fifty games in the finish. What, is... what the Giants did do well, I think they got their culture right, and, and Greg makes a good point with the experience that they got up there. So my brother went up there, Luke Power went up there, James yeah, oh, went no, up there, no, Dan no Brogan went up there, yeah. and they played for minimum chips, but also had a coaching component and set a really demanding culture on the young players around. Yeah, them. but they got a free look. They got a free look at what the Gold Coast, in Correct. hindsight, should have done, which is get a bit more of the quality foot soldiers around. Um, they went and got Campbell Brown and these sort of guys, mm. and it was a soulless place. They mm. didn't have. They had one bloke doing like medical, and Harvey a fitness facilities. guy. Oh, the facilities were horrible, and you know they got a young coach in Bluey McKenna who was really given no chance. Mm. Mm. He would have got him to the finals if Ablett didn't get injured. That year. The they were going. To, they, were, they were playing finals the way they were going. Player welfare horrible. Horrible. All that. You know, it had a lot to do with them early days because we had obviously guys, but we also had four kids that went up there, so we sort of had a lot to do with them. And I, I fell for them because you go in there and Mark, yeah, you got Chopper's Ashcroft there doing his best job he can do, and you've got Travis Ald up there trying to run it, and you know, and he's got two other people helping him and. And you're going, oh, these poor buggers are, you know, you go, you walk into Collingwood, you go, yeah. everyone you can think of there. So they build a new club. Yeah. That's, think about it. Port Adelaide didn't build a new club when they come into the AFL. They were established. They were an established culture. football yeah. club. The West Coast Eagles, they hid players for years. Mm. <laughs> All these great under, under 18 players, but they were able to get Ross Glendinning and these guys back. Fremantle, you'd have to say, half stuffed it up with who they went and recruited yeah. for their. 
Adelaide did well in the Crows in, in again. The 90s. Very strong older brigade that they brought in that had played a lot of state footy. And the sample was a Chris good competition back then. The yeah. great captain, Tony McGuinness, Andrew, Andrew Jarman. Yeah. These sort of characters. The weed on the wing. <laughs> Greg Anderson. Oh, Greg Anderson. There was mullets on either side. Every time you come up against those blokes, there are bloody mullets everywhere. <laughs> McGuinness has got a yes. mullet. There's one over there. That, who's got that mullet? That's <laughs> Wiedemann. Oh, look over here. There's Anderson. Oh, come on. I could talk Scotty about Hodges at full forward. Early Crows days for years. But Betty is in Broad Meadows. You want to speak about the Suns as well, Ben? Yeah, the Suns and the GWS, I mean, their, their crowds have not improved in a decade. No. Um, even the, the GWS last year, average crowd 12,000 people. Yeah. Fitzroy was pulling bigger crowds 25 years ago. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it took 100 years to lose, for Fitzroy to lose $2 million, and the Suns have done it, have lost 250 in 10. Yeah. I don't think you can compare GWS to Fitzroy, just obviously geographically massive difference. If you're going to compare GWS to anyone, you compare them to the early days of Sydney, the Swans, South Melbourne. Yeah, they battled there, early you? days, didn't they? The oh, did they? What? Good on you, Ben. 1300 736 736. On the other side of this, we're going to have a chat about the long layoff and which players in the competition it may help. Crunch time for Identifiber, specialising in asbestos mould, air quality, and environmental services. Good afternoon. You are listening to Crunch Time. Kane Corns, Liam Pickering and Sam Edmund with you through until 2 o'clock. Lines available if you want to jump on and have your say in the next 20 minutes or so. one 736 736 the Southern Phone open line. Sammy, we thought we would take a look at this long layoff, 10 weeks at best. We are hoping 10 weeks. It may be more clearly, but... The players at the long layoff may benefit and there are a number of them with long-term injuries that may end up missing not much footy at all. Love a silver lining cut. Had a bit of fun, of course, with Gary Ablett and Picks earlier. But what about all the guys that are that are injured and are out long-term? Like, the most immediate one was Jack Zeeble. So he has a two-month knee injury, medial ligament strain. Happened in round one. He might play round two. Oh, he will play round two, you'd think. Because it's going to be at least two months. Maddie, um, Maddie Cruiser, we saw him getting yep. carted off the other day or helped 16 off. 16 weeks or something. 16, 16 weeks. weeks. That might only be about three games. And Charlie Kerno, his teammate, obviously in all sorts of trouble with that knee, expected back mid-year, best-case scenario. Maybe he was going to miss half a season worth of games. He might only miss one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and also the out-of-contract the out players will be where it really sits mm. and becomes a really interesting uh, scenario because they're going to reduce list sizes. And you're out of contract and you're injured, God, you'd be hoping like hell you can get back. Oh, no. This is where mental health becomes a factor, isn't it, for these guys who are probably which be a been, bit anxious. By yeah. the way, sorry, Sammy, I didn't cut you off, but um, which has been factored in to this uh, agreement that the AFL and the AFL players have, uh, have worked out, by the way. I think they got 500000 I think, off the top uh, of my head, for, or 250000 for for a role, and there's another... Bit fun for something similar. The hardship, I think, H- the hardship, hardship fun. fun. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is money in there that will help these guys out because um, the mental health. It's a big you, part of this injury at the moment. It's a, you know who else part. might might benefit, guys? Pl- uh, off the field is someone like Ken Hinckley. Well, I wrote who, a column about it last week for the advertiser in Adelaide. I, I can't see a way that he's not coached now. So for those that aren't aware of Kenny's contract, and he's been pretty forthright with the details of it, it's. Make the finals, or that's it. But it? Yep. Did he drive that, or is that actually in his contract? No, so it's in his contract, but Caro broke the story on Footy Classified last year. That, so, that so everyone thought he had was contracted until the end of 2021, and it emerged that, well, he's only there oh, provided. If, if they make the final. So 
he signed a four-year deal or whatever. And well, at the moment they're on top. Well, they're they're <laughs> on top, and if the season is cancelled, well, they can't. Okay, well, you can't do any more. They can't sack him. And then there's also the talk, Sam, about do 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 we have ten finals teams instead of eight? To, to, yeah, to oh, increase the, the sound like he's going to start the sound like Hutchie. Well, wild cards. <laughs> so so he'll be saved out of this. Well, it's the biggest alibi of all time, and we're, we're having a bit of fun with this because there are bigger issues at play, of course, and we know all that. Another disclaimer, boys, but this is the biggest alibi of all time for Kenny Hinckley. I mean, you can't tell me that should even we get back and get those 17 games in, jam them in, fixture up the wazoo, we don't know what's happening with anyone, that they're going to turn around and say, oh, Kenny, you didn't make finals as per the contract, see you later. Surely that, that cannot happen. No, you wouldn't think so. And the other thing is, who's going to take his job? One of the assistants that's been stood down? Correct. Good point. That's where they come from. Yeah, they all come from there. Some of the other players that have, Essendon have got a few that you'd think will come back. Just a heads up on the players that might benefit. Dyson Heppel. Dice. Dyson Heppel will be back. Joe, Joe Stewart. Danaher. Joey Danaher. Big forward. The big man. They reckon he might be ready for the next game, which would be great to see. We're good to see Big Joe back. Uh, Kale Hooker. Big mm. Hooksy. Mm. Buddy as well. Uh, big Bud will be back. Well, yeah. yeah, speaking of the Bombers, they probably thought, their, their defenders are, well, we won't have to come up against Buddy in round two. Well, My now word, they, they will. will. Well, they will, all right. Uh, this he, one had, he had a great pre, his pre-Christmas stuff. It's the best he's ever, he's ever trained. He's got himself super fit and then he has that bloody problem with his, mm. with his uh, knee. It was his knee. Yeah, which is a bit of a nuisance, but oh, he's such a superstar. Yeah, it won't matter. He gets some training in him. He gets to, he comes to hand pretty quickly, the big man. This one from Boothie on the text. Uh, hey there, folks. What's your opinion? Should the AFL resume? Should it resume? Should we have a night grand final? Do you think the AFL will do it? It is a real opportunity to trial it. Oh, there's opportunities everywhere, everywhere. for this sort of stuff. Yeah, I, I, Pull the cruising. Do it. There, there's opportunities to to play a night grand final. There's, you know, we're going to be playing up against cricket, potentially. <laughs> Um, there, there'll be uh, uh, there'll be opportunities to raise the draft age. There'll be opportunities for them to, to look at things that they, in a normal world, would not be able to look at. Mm. And I, there, there's some smart guys in the AFL, very smart guys that will looking at will be looking at all this. Well, technically, guys, it might be a night grand final because the grand final, if we push late into the year, will have to be at Marvel Stadium, and they're not going to have that with the roof open, are they? Uh, no, uh, Dane Beams has been quite active on the Twitter. This is the Dane Beams on the on the tweets. I should say it's not the tweets, the text this morning. What are you saying this? The, the SMS. He's 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 gone after me big time. This is the Dane Beams. Kane. Oh, it is too. Kane, you are so negative, mate. Try being positive for once in your life. You'll be surprised how good you feel. Kane, how much did you get paid? You were deplorable as a player. Tagger, ha ha. Well, you weren't really deplorable. You've won three, but or three BNFs. He did. He did uh, four. Thank you. Four. Oh, there you go. He, he did stitch me one day. Dane did Beams. He? he actually stitched me up big time. But, uh, what's his main? What's his issue? Ne- with he thinks you Kane's negative. Good. To, good to have him. Good to have him listening to the program. It was about. He started chipping in on um, when the Gold that. Coast were. Gold we were Coast. talking about the Gold Coast Suns. But anyway, let's get to. The phones, Brooksy. Can we get to the phones? Yeah, who uh, we got? Mick. Mick's in Kings Park. Straighten us up for you, can you, Mickey? Thanks for your call. Good hey boys. I don't know how I'm going to straighten you up, but more question. Last week, I noticed one thing with a lot of the coaches that they normally have their accreditation around their around their neck or whatever. But they had those little wristbands like you get when you go to <laughs> with like a beer pistol. Whatever, what was that about? No, I cart them around with me to when, when Hutchie ever has a function. That's what, that's for the extra drinks. When the, when the when the tap goes off, you have those little wristbands you pull out. That was a security checked yellow band that they, yep. everyone that came into the stadium, Mick, was given. So when you go into a to an AFL venue now, 
and uh, especially in these this climate, uh, you have to basically get out of your car if you're driving underground. And really, it was everyone that went there had a car park. They swipe you down. They look in your boot. They do all that, well, like you would do with anyone that comes into the car, into the car park at Marvel or wherever it is. And then what they do is they give you something they have to put on your dashboard with your name and your mobile number on it, mm. which sits in your car. And they give you a yellow security band that says security checked. And you have it to was, wear it the whole time you're there. It was a bit like your nightclub discussion earlier today with uh, Hutchie Picks. You had to have your name on the list too. And if your yes. name wasn't on the list, no stamp to get in. Well, no, you can get in, but you just didn't get that that thing you really wanted, which was that $50 drink card. <laughs> I, went with a, I went to the tunnel one night, and they used to have, what they'd do at the tunnel, that was where all the players used to, yeah. used to booze, and you'd go there, and you knew that if you're an AFL player, that you, all you had to do was say your name, and they'd give you a, a, a drink card. That anyway, drink card went a long way back it, then, 50 oh, bucks. 50 bucks. Yeah. Well, the drinks were probably about three bucks a go. Anyway... Um, <laughs> I went there with my mates and he said, I'm, this big mate of mine, he's about six foot eight. He said, I'm going to try for, uh, I'm going to say I'm uh, Ben Graham. I said, you don't look anything like Ben Graham. <laughs> we get there and of course they pull out the, the team books. So they've got your photos there. Really? So it's like one that the AFL footy record have. So, you know, Kane Corns, there's a picture of your Kane. Uh, that's he, you. Here's your drink card. Yeah. So they did it with everyone. So I go in. Yep. Yep. That's you. Off. And my mates tried the Ben Graham. I said, you should have gone with Stephen King, you idiot. He looked nothing like him. Didn't work? He said, nah, back to the, back of the line, uh, mate. This is crunch time. We'll be back to wrap it all up on Come the Come on, Ash Gilbert, you idiot. That's my mate's name. Bakery <laughs> 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 for fix. Come on. Welcome back to Crunch Time. If you are just joining us, we spoke to Paul Marsh, the AFL Players Association CEO, off the top, and he was – reasonably content with the workings that had gone on over the last week and the deal that the AFL and the AFL players have struck, which sees them take a 50% pay cut until May 31, 70% if there's no footy played and then 50% when football does come back up. There's been a difference of opinion from some AFL fans, some saying, well, the game can't go on without the fans, some saying the AFL players aren't part of uh, living in the real world, I guess, with everything else that's going on. I think Let's we've just all, all worked together. That's what I yeah, think. Yeah, difference of opinion here. Um, Craig Hutchison, you're, oh, good. you're good, mate. What's he done now? And our boss had yeah. this to say about another radical idea that he's got. The game's on its knees. Five groups, 18 teams. Group one, Adelaide, Port Adelaide, Frio, West Coast. Play each other three times. Play the rest of the comp, some of the rest of the comp, one each. Group two, the Northern teams. Sydney, Giants, Lions, Suns play each other three times in that group. Group three, the big MCG teams, call it Richmond, Collingwood, Essendon and Hawthorne, got to play each other three times. The mid-sized teams next in Melbourne, got to play each other no, three times. And the dull, more modest clubs. to dull this down. I can't <laughs> listen to that crap any longer. You out? Oh, I'm out. He lost you? I'm out. No, well, he's, he's, my, he's our rain man, mate. Oh, he's not. Yeah, well, he's my round man, mate. <laughs> the reality is, is Craig, he, he's very smart at business. Common sense, not his go. Uh, oh, Hutchie, Hutchie, Hutchie. <laughs> Great go, stuff this morning, live in Sammy. America for once. Good on you, lads. Hit up the phones. We'll speak <laughs> to you next week. Thanks for joining us this morning. Pickers outstanding as always. Good job. Well done, Kane. Thanks, uh, Sammy. See you, boys. See, See you Monday, During Sammy. the week, stay tuned for a big weekend of all sport, even though there's not much right here on SEN. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.